0: If you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be in the Gospel of John this morning, John chapter 17. John 17, we'll be in verses 1 through 19 this morning, a little good chunk of reading for us to work through. So if you've found your spot, would you please stand for the reading of Christ's Word? John 17, verses 1 through 19. May you hear the word of Christ. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, that only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth, and and I'm completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them. And have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you have sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you have given me so that they... Be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for your goodness and grace that you have gathered us here this morning to worship you, to lift up your name, to be able to be poured into by you. And so now may we remove all obstacles in place of our hearts, in front of our hearts, in place of our minds, and in front of our minds that we might receive the word that you have given to us, that we might be sanctified by them. May we understand the truth that you have before us this morning. And may you reveal them to us with such clarity that we might live them out and be able to show the world that this is who we are as followers of Christ. Lord, we offer all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. The theme for June, uh, if... You remember, you know, we've, we've worked through approximately five. In fact, there are five different themes that we've worked through uh, so far. We're looking at one each month. And as I told you in December, we're trying to figure out what does it mean to be faithful in the small things that God has given us, the very small things in our daily lives. And so in the month of January, we looked at holy time. How do we set aside time in order to be better prepared to be followers of Christ? In February, being uh, you know the, the romantic month, so to speak, what do vows look like? All kinds of vows, it's vows to Christ, vows to your spouse, vows to friends, and the like. Well, what is? March, Well, that was what we investigated. What does it mean to be planted in the church? Why in the world uh, is it important for us to be planted here as a body of believers in order to better serve Christ and one another? So that's what we looked at in March. In April, we looked at kid discipleship. How do we disciple our children? How do we teach our children in the ways of Christ and what are some really wise and thoughtful ways in bringing them closer into this relationship with Christ and deepening that relationship with Christ. In May, uh, we looked for a couple of weeks into sustaining creation, considering May is the time of blooming and blossoming. We looked at how is it that God has created a world in such a way that we are to take care of it and to take care of others through this creation. And so here we are in June, the second day of June, we're looking at a new theme unselfish self care. Unselfish self care. So, what is that? And you know, if you have grabbed these in the past in the back up there, uh, you can grab, there's several others that you can grab when you leave today. Uh, Give you a little snippet of what this, what uh, we mean by this unselfish self care is how is taking care of yourself? And this can be health and exercise, sleep diet, downtime, a number of other areas. How is that a way of attending to the overall health of you and your community? Because there is plenty to be said about unselfish self-care. And I hope we can do that uh, this week, next week, and then we're going to break the week after that for a Father's Day sermon. And then we'll pick back up in the last two weeks. We have five Sundays in June that we can talk about once it comes to unselfish self-care. Plenty to talk about. But let me begin by what it's not, so we can sort of set some parameters of what we're talking about. First, me time. We've used this, haven't we? I need some me time. Parents, we have used this quite often. I need some me time. Let me give you an example of me time that happens in the McEwen household. We run to the bathroom just for solitude and silence. Don't lie, you've done it, haven't you? You close the door, you have no potty business, you just close the door and you have me time, right? There's that little bit of silence and solitude for just a moment to gather your thoughts, your patience, take your breath and you move out of that confined space back into the chaos. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about unselfish self-care or uh, if you've ever traveled through uh, walmart you've gone through all your gathering of food and supplies for that week or the next few weeks and then they come you come towards the end and you have to check out and here you are the fifth person in line in the two aisles that are uh, 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 open at the time and then you move slowly and slowly and slow to the front, and what do you see on both sides of you? Candy and what? Magazines, right? Candy and magazines, and you see a number of different topics and uh, different themes that are talked about in those magazines. A lot of them have to do with self-care, don't they? About how to to attend to yourself, whether it's diet, whether it's about um, this is how you should look, this is what you should eat, and the like. But a lot of them deal with that topic of self-care. As important as some of that information can be in some of those magazines, that's not what we're talking about once it comes to unselfish self-care. What I want to introduce to you this morning is two words, inward and upward inward and upward. I think I don't, I don't have to really clarify what I mean by those two words, but here's how I want to talk about them for the next five weeks. We talk about our inward life, this life in which we are, might be private life, our, uh, our self life, and how we think our thoughts to ourselves, the, the struggles that we carry, the doubts that we carry, the certainties that we carry, all this mental life, this self-care that is involved with this, that's our inward life. All of those magazines that you might see in Walmart or CVS and the like are primarily focused on your inward life, but rarely, rarely ever do they talk about the upward life. You get what I'm saying? About how you can take your inward life and direct it to God. That's what I mean by inward and upward What I want to focus on today, and what I want to focus on next Sunday as well, is this inward and upward life. How in the world do we direct our inward lives upward? And how is that related to our unselfish self care every single day? So, I might use another word besides self care. It'll be soul care. And what I mean by soul care is just how we take care of the entirety of who you are as a self your heart, your head. Your hands, the entirety of who you are. Jesus will say, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your soul, strength, might, right? That is your soul. That is the entirety of who you are. And so when we are discussing self-care, we want to figure out how we can take this inward life of who we are and direct it up to God himself. And so let's look at uh, John 17 this morning and see how there is so much, so many riches from these passages as it relates to self-care. Uh, as I was working through these passages, uh, these passages, I want to split them in the first part, uh, verses one through five, and I noticed there were some um, characteristics of these verses. I want you to pay attention to them with me, verses one through five. Notice these things first. The entire passage as a whole of John 17 is a prayer. The entirety of it is a prayer itself. And so when you look at these verses, I want you to notice the type of relationship that Jesus has with his Father. Do you see it? How he's directing his inward life up to the Father and how he is stressing the importance of, of even this Jesus, the Son of God himself, the second person of the Trinity, has to overflow himself and pour himself out to the Father. And so you notice this son's relationship to the Father. And what do you really notice is the intimacy that's involved between the Son and the Father. He takes time across his ministry, whether it's the beginning of his ministry after he is baptized by John and immediately he goes into the desert. Remember? And he prays in the desert to his father. Whether it's later on in his ministry and when he is hurting and in pain in the garden of Gethsemane, he is praying to his father. Or at the end of his earthly ministry on the cross, he is still praying to his heavenly father. And so there's this level of intimacy between the son and the father that we cannot overlook church. And this type of model and paradigm is there for us too. The type of intimacy that we are invited to as his church to lean into our heavenly father as well. But also notice the longing here. He longs to be back with this father in heaven as they have always been paired together together. It says in verse 5, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you in the beginning before the world existed. There is a time and place in which he is set forth into this ministry to live, to die, to be resurrected. And then one day he ascended to the Heavenly Father at his right hand. And so you have this longing to be intimately, more intimately tied to his Father Here's another characteristic of this, these verses, the son's mission for the father. Notice that it's not just his mission as to live and to be able to perform miracles, to be able to teach others, but this mission is for the father himself. His life is turned upward no matter where he is at, no matter what village or town he's in. He's turning his entire inward life upward. And notice also the Son's fullness found in the Father alone. He finds fullness and completeness in His Heavenly Father. shouldn't be any different from us. That we realize that our inward lives cannot truly be full until they are turned upward. And He also talks about, lastly, His experience with the Father's presence. When He is even in this earthly ministry and He is uh, in the flesh he senses the Father's presence no matter what. They are continually uh, pouring themselves out to each other in their own life towards one another. And just like divine love itself, it is a pouring out. now let's look at verses 6 through 19, some characteristics that we find here uh, in Jesus' prayer uh, for his disciples. First, Notice that he wants his disciples to pay attention to this, that they would receive the Father's word with thanksgiving. This is one of the very reasons why we come here on Sunday is to be able to receive a word, a, a, a word of wisdom so that we might live it out with wisdom and uh, gentleness and kindness towards the world around us. There's this thanksgiving that is involved in receiving of God's word. He also prays that the disciples would see the Son as a gift from the Father. And it's that type of language that they have received me. They understand that I was given to them, this gift language. You also notice that the Father, he asked that the Father would protect and guard them. We'll talk about this language of protect and guard here in a few minutes. And this message of Jesus that they would also protect it in their own ministry. And then the fourth thing, that they might experience the abounding joy. Jesus prays that specifically for the church, that they would experience a fullness, a completeness of this joy that is found in the Father and, and, and also the Son. And then lastly, there's one last uh, characteristic of this passage of 6 through 19, is that they would, the disciples would continue to walk with Christ in the world but not of it. And so I want you to see these characteristics at a 30,000-foot level as we continue to work through these passages this morning as it relates to this self-care. So let's look back at these uh, verses 1 through 5. Notice that Jesus is talking about one's identity rooted ultimately in the Father. That they, you and me, were made and designed by God for God. We're made by him and for him, which means there's tons of meaning and purpose in your everyday living. That your purpose is to glorify the Father. And, and Jesus uses this language again and again to glorify your son and that the son would glorify you. And as we understand who this Jesus is, we understand what our true relationship is and this true care that can be involved in this type of identity that is ultimately rooted in Christ. And so you find in these verses one through five, what does it mean to follow Christ and to be able to understand and discern our own self-care? Well, one, you cannot understand self-care without your identity rooted firmly in Christ. That's the first point. You have to understand your identity as it's rooted ultimately in Christ. And secondly, it can't just be identity found in Christ. It must be an intimacy related to Christ. This deep, profound intimacy that you cultivate your life according to His own grace. If we try to cultivate our life in any other direction besides this intimacy with Christ, we've lost our way. We've lost meaning and purpose in our own daily living. And the third thing is, as it relates to these first five verses, is that we must see that we are to be interested in seeing our everyday lives as aimed at Christ. As Christ is aiming his entire life towards the Father, we are to aim our lives to the Father as well. And so as we identify with him and we root our identity in him and we're intimately related to him, we see all these things as somehow connected to Christ and his kingdom. Every component of ourselves related to him. And then you look at verses 6 through 19. I want you to notice the role of the word. The role of the word we come here every single week trying to understand the word, to be a people of the word. Try to be able to long for that word and discern that word that Christ has for us. And Christ says a couple of things about this. Well, first, verse 6, that we are to keep the word close. It is to be kept close to this people. And they have been kept tightly to this people. You see in verse 6, they were yours. In other words, the church were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept, kept close this word. And so whenever I think of people who keep the word close to them, I can't help but think of many stories of Chinese Christians over the past 300 years. And if you've heard story after story, you can probably go beyond the story I'm about to tell you about the Chinese Christians and how they adore the Word. There was one um, story in the 1950s, if I'm not mistaken, where uh, there were several Christians who were found to be meeting together and they were uh, having a type of worship service. Well, as soon as the government found out, they lined them up. And here's what they asked of them. What you are to now do is, one, you step on the Bible... That's like a denunciation of the word, but you also spit on the Bible. That is how you push the word aside instead of keep it. And so one by one, these Chinese Christians would walk through. They would step down on the word and spit on the word. Until it came to the last one, uh, one of the leaders in this church, who picked up the word instead of stepping on it and wiped the spit off the Bible and kissed it. And she says, for I cannot do that. And you probably know, and there's little ears in here listening, so I'm going to be very vague about this. You probably know what happened to her. But she could not push the word away, but she had to keep it close because it was the word that had brought redemption and life to her own self. So we are a people who keep the word close. We're also, Jesus says, understand the word as a gift. You see that in verse 7. That they have, because I have given them the words you gave me. So God, uh, the son receives the word from the father and the father, or son gives the words to his disciples. And they have received them, Jesus says, and have known for certain that I came from you. And they have believed you have sent me. The word itself is a gift. You might get tired of me saying that when I pray that this word is a gift. But it is indeed that, a divine gift given to us so that we might be able to abound in that word. And then if you jump down to verse 19, Jesus talks about the Word being not only truth, but a sanctifying Word. And so when we sanctify, the Word sanctified, it means we hear the Word, we honor the Word, we heed the Word, because it does something mysterious in our lives. You've probably experienced that in your life at some point. If you can think about your life before Christ and your life after Christ, something happened as you continue to wrestle with the Word and you continue to see the word working in your own life, it is sanctifying your heart, your head, and your hands to, to be able to minister to others, to minister to you. And that's what we understand by it being sanctified. Three times he uses it in verse 17 through 19. And so when we look at this word sanctified, we need it in context. Because we use this Christian jargon a lot, where you're that's sanctified, that's holy, that's set apart. Well, what does that mean? We might think of unconnected when we think of the word sanctified, we might think of the word detached as sanctified, we might think of the word as disconnected, we might think of the word even alone or self contained or sealed off when we think of sanctified, but that's missing the point with the word sanctified. All of those are insufficient because when it comes to understanding the word of sanctified, we need to understand it's not being detached or somehow removed from all things, but rather it is when we understand ourselves as set apart for God's own mission, set apart in order to live out his word, that we might favor His word and honor His word because Jesus helps us out this understanding in verses 15-16 through of chapter 17. He says this, I am praying. I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. We're not to be completely disconnected from the world or alone away from the world or unconnected from the world but rather we're to be intimately tied to the world but not of it so what does that mean if the world is this culture society that is bent towards selfishness this world as jesus understands it is the culture society it's bent towards sinfulness well if we're sanctified we're a people who are bent towards selflessness We're a people that are bent towards righteousness and justice. A people bent towards the cross and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so when we look at this passage as a whole of John 17, as it relates to unselfish self-care, here are the takeaways. And it is rooted deeply in the first five verses. And so if I could throw something out for you this week, it is this. Read through those first five verses of John 17. And reread them, and then reread them, and then reread them, and to be able to soak in that word, because here's what I can understand at least of my own life. I look for all kinds of joy and happiness and glory and all the wrong things. I don't know about you, but I do. I look for joy and happiness and glory and all the wrong things. And so it's the word itself that continues to bring me back towards glorifying and exalting the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. And that when I am in search of the things of the kingdom, it turns all those joys and the happiness and glory back to where I was intended to aim towards. And you see that type of intimacy in the first five verses of John 17. That level of intimacy and deepness that is there between the son and the father. And so once it comes to self-care, are we completely inward focused? Are we only consumed with how I can take care of myself and that's it? Or is our inward focus actually turned upward? Are we trying to see how ourselves are directed towards the father? As this son is directed to the father. Also with self-care. Is there an intimacy that's involved that is directed towards Christ? Because you can be intimately connected to lots of things. I can be pretty intimately connected to my phone. I can find so much more happiness and joy in putting another book in Amazon. But it doesn't bring me much closer to the father. Once it comes to developing your inward life upward, we need to see how we are finding happiness and joy and glory in all the other places so that we might be realigned and reoriented to the Father with great intimacy. And lastly, in what ways are you interested in the kingdom? Are your interests really in the kingdom? Are your interests really in Christ himself? These are questions that we need to self-reflect on because that's a part of self-care. Is that we have to turn inward for just a moment to see where we're going wrong and wiry in our life so that we can reconnect and reorient our lives back to the Father. And so Jesus has something to say about this. He says, Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Notice he doesn't flip it. He didn't say Look at your heart and it'll show your treasures or change your heart. Then you'll change your treasures where your treasure is there. Your heart is also. So maybe we need to change treasures. Then our heart will follow soon after. And so I would ask you church this week, look at what you're focused inward towards. Is it completely towards self or is your inward pointing upward Where are you finding the intimacy in your life? Where are you finding happiness, joy, and glory? And lastly, are your interests truly aligned with the kingdom? Where are your treasures? And maybe we'll begin discovering where the self-care can start to take place and we can start to be healed in the things of Christ and the things of his kingdom. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. As Christ just said for the gift, for the gift of the Word, that we have received it. And sometimes we find it very difficult to understand. And sometimes we find it very uh, difficult to wrestle with and trying to understand what in the world are you talking about. But thankfully you simplify it for us, Christ, in the two great commandments, love of God and love of neighbor. But one of the ways that we can love you well, Father, is by taking care of ourselves. And so as we continue to wrestle with this unselfish self-care, how can we direct our inward lives upward to you? And that as we love you well, we will see that you start and continue this work in our own lives, that we might develop an intimacy with you that you continue to mold and change our hearts and transform our hearts that are interested in the things of you and the things of the kingdom. And so as we continue to develop and to grow and to mature in your ways, may we never forget that our treasures are where our hearts are tending toward. And so may you reveal the treasures that take our eyes away from you this week. May you reveal them to us. And may you give us new treasures, ones that are deeply rooted in the life of you, so that our hearts will continue to be molded in your likeness and your image so that we can truly exalt your name. We offer these things in your name, Christ. Amen.